watching. Welcome to everyone watching on YouTube, uh, who is listening on podcast, or who's watching on Facebook and Instagram as well. It's good to see you here. I am also going to go straight in because the clock is against me and we don't want to keep you here all day. But just to say, our kids' church is operating upstairs. We also have a crash, and as you heard, our teenagers are about to go off and have a ball. Hallelujah. Can I ask you, when you're praying over the next few days, pray that some of our teenagers will be born again. Amen. Pray that all of them will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that there will be connections and relationships that will last all the days of their lives. Amen. Amen. Because we're building. It's not the next generation, it's this generation. They're part of the church and we want to see them strong. Amen. Amen. Just to say as well, if you're visiting, we also have a young adults uh, ministry here who meet every second Sunday. They can't meet today, but they are meeting regularly, and you're welcome to take part in that also. Loads of other things happening. But I'm going to go straight into this because I am going to do a countdown from five to one. When I was a teenager, there was a thing called Top of the Pops. And we used to love it. And we used to have the Irish version, to mind the English one, the Irish one. And I remember it was on, I think it was Thursday evening on the radio, and you turn it on, and they would count down from 20 up to number one, and you'd be hoping the song you liked was number one, but the songs I liked just never got into the top 20. I don't know why. Anyway, so I'm going to use that format and go from five. Four, three, two, one. And this is my subjective experience as to the toxic, and they are toxic, faith traps that trip you and trip me up if you really have a faith and you love God. This is my experience of almost 30 years as a pastor and 42 years as a Christian. I invited Jesus into my life at the age of 19, so you're probably working out how old I am now. But I've been around a while, and this is my experience. Um, there are many other traps that I haven't included, and perhaps your experience is somewhat different from mine. But So this is subjective. But it certainly has been true here in Cork. I've heard the same around Ireland. I suspect most of us here have fallen into one of these at some stage or the other. And yet you're here today. Hallelujah. So uh, some of us, these will be live issues. Alive today. And for some of us, it'll be a historic thing. But for all of us, we don't want to fall into any of these traps in the future. Who'll we'll say amen. amen? So I pray, God, you're the invisible God. May your Holy Spirit move on every heart and mind here and now. I pray that no one would have a cold heart or a closed mind, but the love of God would be shed abroad on every heart here as we consider your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here's an overall scripture from the book of wisdom or Proverbs. And Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. It's the source of life. And everything you do flows from that. Now, a lot of people are going on holidays at the moment. Denise and I are just back. When we were going on holidays, you know what we did to our house? 
We locked the doors. We closed the windows. We made sure it was secure. Would you go on holiday next Saturday and leave your house door open and all your windows open and inside in the house is maybe cash, your TV set, your laptop, your iPad, your whatever, your jewellery, I don't know. Would you leave the house empty and all the windows and doors open so that someone could come in and rob you of what you've worked hard for? Of course you wouldn't. Equally, spiritually, I would even say mentally, emotionally, and it sometimes crosses over physically, if we don't protect what God has done in our lives, there is a thief. There is a thief. And he wants to steal from you and steal from me. And I, for one, don't want that to happen. And as a pastor in this church, I will be judged by God when I die as to how I shepherded the flock. And part of shepherding the flock means to give you a little bit of insight into what the Bible says so this doesn't happen. So this is about guarding our hearts today. I'm going to go straight into number five and I'm calling it the winds of doctrine. Now if you've moved to Ireland from another country, you probably heard it can rain a lot here. Actually, it doesn't rain all the time here. Would anyone say amen? <laughs> If you look at the statistics here in the South Coast, it probably doesn't even rain 50% of the time. And when it does rain, a lot of the time it's at night. So you're not even aware of it. But what we do have almost every day here is wind. Ireland and Scotland are called the Saudi Arabia of wind energy. Ireland produces so much of its electricity from wind, so that's good. But wind can also be destructive. I remember half my roof being blown off in 2013 when we had a hurricane come through. So wind can be destructive. And winds of doctrine, doctrine is what we believe. It's our theology. It's the Bible. The, what we believe in the Bible. And if we are all over the place, if we're like a jelly baby about what we believe, then the winds of doctrine can blow us off course. Excuse me. Maybe you know the scripture, Ephesians 4.14. Don't be blown about by every wind of doctrine. Like children, tricked by crafty schemers. The Bible is so clear. The first thing is, there is a God. Who will say amen? amen? Amen means I agree. The second thing it tells us is that God wants to connect with us. And the third thing is that by connecting with God, we have to make that decision. We have to say, welcome into my heart, Lord. That's, I'm giving you the gospel in a very simple way. But some people can come in and try and trip you and me up. And this happened in the early church. It has happened all of my life and it's still happening even now as I speak. It goes on in the book of Jude. Jude writes in verse 3 and 4 of this one chapter book. I urge you, protect your faith given to you by God. Because certain individuals have secretly slipped in among you. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of God. If it happened in the New Testament, it will happen today. Sometimes people say they're Christians... And they're not. The Bible calls it wolves in. Because a sheep is a real believer. 
it's a whole other Bible study, but there's three types of animals. There's sheep who really believe. There's goats who don't do harm, but they don't really believe. They're just around. And there's wolves, and they really cause destruction. We have a live issue all over Ireland and Europe with um, a cult who, during lockdown, when a lot of very young adults, 18, 19, that age group, um, were isolated and no churches were meeting, and a lot of them got connected into this online group from an Asian country, and it's not Christian, it's a cult, and it's very legalistic. And guess what? There's a guy who's in charge of it, and he's getting loads of money. What a gangster. He's been convicted of fraud, but you've a load of young people all over the world who are doing what he says because he's giving them a very black and white way of living. And anyone who's a bit of maturity knows life has loads of grey, doesn't it? It's not that simple. So this reductionist way of teaching the Bible, and you've got to get permission from this guy and all of his minions, it's really dangerous. So. In my experience, two groups of Christians can get sucked away, and they tend to be really sincere, and they tend to be people who want to do what is right. Young people tend, like the young zealots, getting into an extreme legalistic group, and older people very often kind of lose their way and maybe get a bit bored. A pastor friend of mine in Birmingham in England said a number of years ago that in, in his situation there were a lot of bored people in their 40s who were looking for something kind of really supernatural. And instead of going after what the Bible tells us, they just went after crazy stuff. There was a thing about 25 years ago called gold dust. And basically people were saying that their, the fillings in their teeth were turning to gold. Hello? Tumble lunatic fringe. There was another thing where people said the spirit came upon them and they started barking like dogs or wriggling like snakes on the ground. That's not in the Bible. But it was this fake kind of sensationalism, this hyper-charismatic approach that is not biblical. The only place in the Bible where a human being was acting like an animal is in the book of Daniel where the emperor Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind. He mentally lost his mind and he lived like a wild animal. So this kind of stuff is crazy. So in my experience, every year, we'll see a few people who will go down one or two of these roads and end up in a cul-de-sac where they then blame God and take it out and won't believe in the Bible, but really the trap they fell into is they went into some crazy teaching. So brothers and sisters, keep reading the Bible and keep listening to people you can trust and don't buy the extreme stuff. Amen? Amen. And if there's someone you love who's impacted by this, we're going to pray just at the end of the service. Moving from five, and we're going up the ladder now, number four. This is even more common, and it's idols or idolatry. If you're listening on podcast, I've got a photograph on the screen of a, of a golden calf, and we think this is what the golden calf in the book of Exodus looked like when the Israelites got tired of waiting for Moses to bring the word of God and so they built their own idol, their own God and they bowed down to this golden calf. I don't think anybody here 
as a golden calf on their mantelpiece that you kind of genuflect to when you're getting your Weetabix in the morning or whatever. That's not a thing. But today, what is idolatry? An idol or idolatry is anything or person who takes the place of God in your life. So that premier place where you have that love for God, something else just comes in. It could be your career, it could be a sport, it could be music, it could be a lifestyle, it could be a car. Paul says, flee, run from idolatry. John says, keep yourself from idolatry. It goes on and it says in Colossians 3, 5, starve and do not feed your old and earthly nature like immorality, impurity, evil desires, greed, as this is all idolatry. I knew someone who, they got so into the game of hurling, great sport, but that became their idol. And their faith just withered away. It doesn't tend to happen suddenly, it just creeps in. It creeps in until one day your faith is just like a very part-time hobby that you occasionally take out instead of it being central in your life. God will not bless you. God will not bless you if your approach to your faith is an occasional hobby. God is a jealous God. He wants your heart connected to him. I'm speaking to myself as well. This is the God we serve. He wants to love us and he wants us to love him. And he doesn't want something else to take that place. We read here in Mark 20, 12 verse 30. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus was teaching this, these are the only two things you and I are allowed to love as human beings. We love God and we love one another. Amen? Amen. Now it doesn't mean we can't enjoy a sport or music or we can't enjoy a car or a home or a career. These things are all good. We can enjoy them. But if you and I allow them to take a place they shouldn't have, then we cross a line. It's like if I keep walking here on stage, I'm right at the edge here. If I keep walking as if I have something underneath me, I'm going to fall. In the same way, there's a line where we don't allow things to become too important. We keep our love for God and for our fellow man, and we don't allow stuff to take the place of God or our fellow man. Amen? So there's a line in the sand and there's a boundary with idolatry. Time is against me, I'm going to keep going. Number three, we're getting right into the center now. This is huge. The cares of life. Work, study, homes, transport, clothes, food. I would bet you that about half of us here have got a care of life that is alive right now. How am I going to pay that bill? What am I going to do to bring a bit of peace into the people in the family? The car, how am I going to get that car sorted out? Will I ever be able to find a place to live that I really like? And I could keep going on and on and on. The cares of this life can weigh good people down, Christians down. And it's like a burden. And the cares get on top of us. I can remember, it must have been 20 years ago, in one week, 
the car broke down. No, the car didn't break down. We lost the keys of the car. I couldn't get into the car. The washing machine broke down. The telly broke down. That was the worst of all. Oh, that, that was terrible. I don't know telly. And something else happened. I can't think of the fourth thing. But everything happened in sequence. I remember getting angry, getting frustrated. I remember just being really fed up. And if you met me, you'd go, he's not a Christian at all. He's an awful attitude. That fella isn't this joy of the Lord. I saw no joy in Tom Burke at all. No, no, no. Do you know what? It just started getting me down. And God really had to stop me in my tracks. And I had to let it go. I had to say, God, you're in control. Yeah? Now, you can ask my daughter. Um, very often, you see, I'm very single-minded. If I'm doing something, I'm totally focused on it. The problem is I'm constantly losing keys and phones and all of that. And I used to get so frustrated. Do you know what I started doing a number of years ago? I lose my phone, I lose my keys, and I just stop and I take a breath. And I say, thank you, Lord, that I lost my phone. Thank you, Lord, that I can't find my keys. You're in control. You're allowing this to happen. Like Sophia and Sam were singing earlier, God is always up to something good. What's God doing? Why have I lost my keys from my phone? And do you know what, what, what it has become in my life? It's become a God moment. Because I pray and I just say, God, if I'm meant to have them, you'll cause me to find them. If not, you're up to something good. And you know what? I always end up finding them. But I am better, I am stronger, because I'm not allowing the care, the bother, to get me down. Instead, I refuse for that to happen, and I turn it around as best I can, and see God in it. Look at what Jesus said in Mark 4.19, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things can come in and choke the word. If you are exploring faith in Jesus, if this is somewhat new to you, the thing is, if you've got a lot of cares going on in your life, it's like thistles or weeds choking a plant trying to live. And not only when we are in the early stages of our faith journey, as established Christians, it can still come in and choke and we end up fainting spiritually. So Jesus also said in Luke 21, guard your hearts so that you won't be weighed down by the worries of this life, which can come upon you like a trap. Amen. I know it can be hard at times. Nobody gets a free ride, as it were, where you don't have any trouble. Everybody has trouble. Jesus warned us. He told us we would have troubles in this life. But how that, we can't do anything about that, but how we handle the troubles that's where we can do something about it. Instead of letting it get us down, we can ask God and invite him in and see God turn that around. Can I challenge you and encourage you that this coming week, if there is something coming into your life, a bill you don't know how you're going to pay, the car isn't working, the lawnmower breaks down, I don't know, whatever it is, how about thanking Jesus for it? Because he works all things together for the good for those who love God. Thank God for it, invite him in, and instead of you going under, let's see God glorified, amen? amen? Okay, number two, I wonder what number two and what number one is. 
Here's the number two I've seen over more than 30 years. Lukewarm lunacy. The lockdown, the pandemic has really shown this up. People we thought were really strong spiritually were lukewarm. And they just went from lukewarm to cold during lockdown. And where are they now? I don't know. It's lunacy. It's crazy. Because if we let our hearts go lukewarm, you might as well walk off on holidays and leave all your doors and windows at home so the thief can steal all the good that has been going on in your life over the years. It comes from Revelation chapter 316 and this is the Holy Spirit speaking to a church. I know your lifestyle. You're neither hot or cold. I wish you were one or the other. But because you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. It's kind of a heavy word, but it came from uh, the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle John to a city called Laodicea in modern-day Turkey. And in this city, it was known for its springs of water. You could get cold water springs, and the water was really healthy and safe and lovely to drink. You could get hot water springs, and you can go and sit in them, like sitting in a jacuzzi or a, a hot spa. But then there was water wells that were neither hot or cold. And when people would see what they were like to drink, they would spit it out of their mouth. So when the Holy Spirit used this wording, the people in Laodicea knew immediately what God was saying to them. And they knew they were in a dangerous place because they were getting lukewarm. God forbid anyone here to have a lukewarm heart. God forbid that I would have a lukewarm heart. Would anyone say amen? amen? We guard our faith. We keep it hot because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of fire. And the passion and the enthusiasm we have for our faith, I hope it never dims in your life. Because if it starts dimming, we go down a cul-de-sac. It goes on to say in 1 John 2.15, Do not love this world or the things of time. Everything in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life doesn't come from the Lord, but from this world itself. If there are choices going on, if there's emotions kicking in, if there's a thought process beginning to formulate in your mind, ask yourself this question, where is it from? Is God behind this? Because if God isn't behind it, then it means someone else is behind it. Something else is behind it. So if you've got a whole thought process how you can bless someone, I tell you, I promise you, that's from the Lord. If you've got a motivation going on in your soul, if you've got emotions springing up in you where you just want to bless someone or you want to read the Bible or want to thank God and worship Him, that is from the Lord. But if you want to do something evil, that's not from God. So let's remember, we need to guard our hearts and lukewarm is where it begins. So don't get lukewarm. Keep hot. It's a hot church. Hallelujah. Keep the fire of the Holy Spirit going. What's my final one? What is the number one? This is my experience, but I suspect it's the same all over the world. The number one issue that is a trap for people is wrong relationships. When we open up to someone and they're really in our lives, emotions go very deep. 
And if someone is negative in our lives, it's really hard to break away. It breaks our heart, literally, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, wrong relationships. Don't be bound together with unbelievers, Paul says to the Christians. What partnership has light with darkness? Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. So this is where we read of, if you love God and you're considering getting married, don't get married to someone who doesn't have any interest in God. Because as a couple, you're going to pull in two different directions. If you're already married, this doesn't apply. You work at your marriage. Praise God. Who'll say amen? amen. And make the marriage work. But it's the same with business. If you're a Christian and you want to go into partnership with someone who isn't a Christian, it's not a great idea. As a Christian, you want to obey the law, but maybe the other guy doesn't want to pay any taxes, is willing to break the law. You've got two very different things. You can have light and darkness, but it's the same with friendship. So if someone is in your life and has a big influence over you and they don't believe in God, if they are not of the light, then you're in a dangerous situation. And I can see right now scores of faces in my mind's eye of people who at one time loved God, but people in their lives didn't love God and they just pulled them away. And it is like a thief robbing a home. It goes on to say in Proverbs 13, 20, if your friends are foolish, you end up harming yourself. But if they are wise, you too will be wise. So with the clock against me, guys, here's what I'm saying for number one. Be careful who you allow to influence you in your heart. Yes, we can have a great friendship with people who don't know God. We're not some weirdo cult that is isolated. But for the influence, there's a place where we really should only allow those who love God have that influence over our heart. So wrong relationships lead to wrong lifestyles. You might be feeling depressed right now, having gone from five to one, and you might be going, is there any hope for me? Oh yes, there is. This is just so that we will be wise as we draw closer to God. Let me conclude by reading Philippians 1.6, and here's the great apostle Paul, and he says, I am so confident of this thing. This is for you. He who started a good work in your life is going to carry it through to completion right until the day of Christ. God has started a good work in your life by being wise and by applying the Bible into our lives and opening up to the work of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to be afraid. So I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. We're going to give you the opportunity in a moment to pray. If there's a life situation in any of these traps going on for you, we're going to pray God will give you protection and keep you from falling. Or maybe you want to pray for someone you love who's falling into one of these. If you're going through any of these issues, there is absolutely no shame. You're in the right place. We've all been there. Or maybe there's someone you care about going through one of these issues. Where you stand, I'm going to ask you to lift a hand up to heaven because we want to pray that God will rescue you or rescue your loved one. So I just lift your hands up. 
memorial pain. For those who know, God, I've fallen in the past and I'm one of them. I don't want to fall again. I pray, God, you give me wisdom and discernment so that none of these traps will trip me up. Would you lift up your hands? Because we want to pray that that will never happen to you.